born January 5th, weighing in nine pounds, seven ounces, <laughs> 20 inches long. I'm saying he came out shaving. Yeah. Uh, wow. It's a, it's, a, it's a microphone drop. It's a water drop. Uh, yeah. Uh, so blessed. And thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Kim's at the hospital. Maddie's parents are over here. Make sure you guys, if you haven't had a chance to meet them, they're over here. My mom and dad are now great grandma and grandpa. All right. So for those of you who don't know, they're right over here. And we're just thrilled and excited. Um, they are going to continue to be in the hospital uh, for Maddie's recovery. Um, she's doing well. Calvin is doing well. Um, but please continue to pray for them as they uh, look forward to getting home and recovering and all of that. So, yeah, it's good stuff. All right, well, if you're new to Trinity, we like to preach through books of the Bible. Um, it helps us put our Bibles together. As Christian was sharing that whole story of redemption, that's why, that's why we preach the way we preach. So it, it helps us to not just have little vignettes of stories or episodes in some disconnected, in some disconnected way, but there's a storyline to Scripture, and so we preach through books, and we're preaching through Daniel starting today. Um, we'll be there for a number of months um, but whenever we start a new book, the first sermon, if you've been here long enough to know, you know what the title is. It's why, and it's whatever book we're, we're preaching. And so this morning is why Daniel? Why are we preaching the book of Daniel? And um, our goal this morning is to, to help us, to give us some handles to the book of Daniel, to get a grasp of the background of the book, what's going on, what's, what's been going on to lead up to why are we here? Um, because we know some things about Daniel, probably. We know some things about a lion's den. We know some things about the Hebrew guys and uh, a fiery furnace and these sorts of things. But what led up to that, that they were there? Um, things such as that. And in doing so, my hope is, is that we might gain a vision for why, why Daniel. Now, chapters 1 through 6, they're really pretty simple. They're easy chapters. Um, they're taught in children's classes all over the, the place and all through the ages, we'll say. All right? So if you grew up in a church and you're my age, you saw this on a flannel graph. All right? And, you know, Daniel and them lines, they kept falling off. All right? For you guys who are young, you don't know what I'm talking about, ask, ask somebody my age. All right? Um, but they're easy chapters, one through six. Chapters um, seven through 12 are very difficult chapters. They're debated greatly among the scholars, all right? And so you've got this contrast, super simple, very familiar. The latter half of the book, pretty difficult, um, challenging. I've known some pastors who just preach chapters one through six, and then they skip the rest. Well, Daniel wasn't written to create debates, it's not why he wrote the book. Nor was it written that it would be skipped. Daniel was written to encourage us in our walk with Christ. 
when life is profoundly difficult. It was written to strengthen our hearts in who God is as we live as exiles in a secular world. It was written to embolden our faith to live for God and his glory in an anti-God society and to trust him with whatever it is that we face. If we were to tie a, a knot around the whole book, it would be, well, it's what we've titled the series, Kingdoms Rise, Kingdoms Fall, but the Sovereign King reigns forever. The author is, of course, Daniel. Daniel was taken in the first of three sieges of Jerusalem. Now, can you imagine a book more relevant, perhaps, in the first century church, living under the likes of a leader like Nero? I would imagine Daniel was near and dear to their heart. Letters like Peter come to mind. He begins with, to the elect exiles in the dispersion. How relevant would a book like Daniel be to that early church? Or Peter also says, do not be surprised by the fiery trials. How valued must they um, held this book, Daniel, in that first century of the church's birth? As they saw Paul, perhaps, be beaten and imprisoned. Or Stephen, literally stoned to his death. Well, it was written in the third year of Jehoiakim's reign. He was the king of Judah. We see that in verse number one. And that's in 605 BC. So we're talking 600 years till Christ comes. The book ends in the third year of Cyrus, which is 537 BC. And so the book of Daniel is 70 years in length. I'm excited. I'm thrilled that we're going to be preaching through this book. And I want to thank Christian. He was the one that was making a case really probably the last six to eight months saying, we really ought to do Daniel, especially this year. We'll get to some of those reasons why as we move forward in our series. But I know we're all going to be challenged and I pray that we are all going to grow as we look at these four young men who are dragged out of Jerusalem and into captivity, living in a foreign land, under a secular king, in an anti-God culture, Daniel's going to help us in our day. I'm not trying to say that, that's, that, that it's a one-for-one one by any stretch, but he's going to help us as believers in our day, as our world changes, as America grows increasingly secular and even increasingly opposed to God anti-God, anti-Christian kingdom. Daniel's going to serve us well. So looking forward to the series. A quick glance at how the book is laid out. There's 12 chapters. The, um, chapters 1 through 6 are six episodes of the four young men living in exi exile. Chapters 1 through 4 take place during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 5 is a transition of kings. Chapter 6 takes place during the reign of Darius, and then 7 through 12 is Daniel's visions of the future. And with that, let's pray, and we're going to dive right in. Father God, we ask for your help right now. Lord, as we embark in this new series, Lord, that you might stir our hearts like only you can do. Lord, by your Spirit, challenge us. Lord, 
Help us to sit under your word, submit to it humbly, Lord. Reveal yourself to us as we work through this series. Make yourself known, Lord, to both believer and unbeliever, Lord God, that we might all live and walk, walk in, um, with a desire to serve you and honor you in a culture that's increasingly, increasingly opposing us and who we live for. Lord, would you help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to give us a couple handles, two handles. Uh, The first one is kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. All right, one thing I'm sure that I missed in high school, uh, my fault, not the teacher's fault, uh, I missed that kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. I'm sure it was probably presented to me, but... Duh, right? Like, it's so obvious. Nations rise, nations fall, powers come and powers go. Authorities and world leaders, they, they rise up, they're gone. They come and go. We sang about it this morning. Only the Ancient of Days remains forever. And so, and so in moving forward, here's how we're going to approach this first handle and how it introduces us in the first two verses here um, of the book is we're going to look at kings and kingdoms. We're going to look at land. Sounds weird, I know. We'll get there. And then we're going to look at exile. And then in the second handle, we're going to talk about the sovereign king, and we're going to reverse the order. We're going to look at exile, land, king, and kingdom. All right, so first of all, kings and kingdoms. Kings and kingdoms are rising and falling in this book. All right, it, it really, we're introduced to the book with rise and fall. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, besieged it. All right? The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, some of the vessels, etc. Jehoiakim was the king in Judah when Nebuchadnezzar attacks Jerusalem. And under Nebuchadnezzar's reign, the, king, the kingdom of Babylon went from an empire in decline to a vast and powerful empire. Thanks to Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was a, I'm going I'm to say he was a king of kings. Under his rule, nations were defeated and destroyed. And we might imagine the people of Babylon trusting in and hoping in more and more their king. Because the more Babylon grew in its power and its strength, the more peaceful it was for the people of Babylon. So praise be to the king. If you found yourself on the right side of the Babylonian walls, your life was good, thanks to the king. Babylon grew by pillaging the wealth and rounding up the powerful people of the conquered nations and bringing them back to Babylon. That's what we read in those verses that Richard read for us. That's the context of the book. That's, that's, that's the setup. Nebuchadnezzar, well, he was the man. He was a, a, a ruler that was to be dealt with. And it seems that he knew it. Daniel 4 captures for us the king's very high view of himself. Let me read verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar 
At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Wow. Praise be to me. Look at me. He was a ruler of rulers, the king of Babylon, conquering enemies at will, palaces of splendor, a great city with fortified walls, beautiful gardens, seized wealth and antiquities. Walk into the temple in Babylon and see all the gods of the conquered peoples. They would put them in the temple as if, to me, the way I look at it or imagine it, as if it's a trophy case of victory. All of these gods are now submitted to Nebuchadnezzar's God. All of it making one thing clear, the Babylonian king rules supreme. Once again, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And we rightly read Daniel, and we think, wow, this guy, he's something. History records him to be the greatest Babylonian ruler. What an empire. See his splendor, his power, and his might. We might even say, who can compare to King Nebuchadnezzar? No one, no, not one. But one of the themes of Daniel is kings come and kings go. Nebuchadnezzar built an amazing kingdom. And then, you know what happened? He died. He died. He's forever gone. Not unlike things around us. Now, this is going to be kind of trivial in comparison, but do you remember there's companies that have come and gone, right? Now, all 25-year-olds in the room and under, please raise your hand. All right. One of you tell me what Adele is. A singer, right? No, it's not a singer. It's a computer. A long gone brand. It's an Ade- it's a Dell computer. Among that crowd, again, tell me, well, you, you, you might know this, but have you been to one? Have, have any 25 and unders, have you been to a blockbuster? A blockbuster. Have you? We've got one, we've got a couple. All right. You've been to a blockbuster. All right. Am I making the rest of us feel a little old right now, right? So a blockbuster for the young people in the room is where you would go because there was no such thing as a streaming service, right? You would go to an actual building and you would find, well, this is really, you would find a VCR tape. Ask your parents about a VCR tape and the just, yeah, nightmares of some of those tapes. What is a Chuck E. Cheese? What is Toys R Us? How about, what is a New England Patriot? Long gone, long gone. 
Back to seriousness. Newsflash, Nebuchadnezzar died. He's dead. Historical fact. The glorious, great, powerful, conquering king died. 562 B.C. Kings come and kings go in the book of Daniel. And we'll see that. I want you to keep that theme of kings and kingdoms in the back of your mind. And we'll come back to it later. Next is land. The king attacked Jerusalem. It's a land. It's verse 1. That's a, that's a land with a real land with real people and a real home where people were taken out of. Land is a major theme in the Bible. Did you know that? Let's do a quick flyover. Real quick flyover. We're going to skip so many things, but uh, flyover parts of the Old Testament and that theme of land. We start in Genesis, right? We start in Genesis 3. We start in the land, the Garden of Eden. It's a land. And another enemy came and attacked on that land. It was Satan's deception in that land that we know as Eden. Genesis 3 shows us the consequences of man's rebellion against God in the garden or in that land of Eden. They were then sent out from the land, right? God's covenant will kick in with Noah. After what? The Lord destroyed the land... God says he will never, what, destroy the land like that again. And Genesis 10, after that, records the descendants of Noah. And we see that in verse 5, chapter 10. They divided the lands. Verse 8, Nimrod began to be a mighty man of the earth or of the land. And then in verse 10, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Jump to chapter 11 says this, then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth, over all the land. Verse eight, so the Lord dispersed them from from, um, them from there over the face of all the earth, the land, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth, the land. Babel will become Babylon. For reference sake, well, let me just ask, how many of you have served in the Middle East? Thank you guys for serving. Um, Baghdad? Been to Baghdad? Either of you? All right. Well, go to Baghdad. Go 50 miles south, that's Babylon. It's real land. Well, moving forward, next what the Lord will do is he will engage with Abram, Abraham in chapter 12. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Verse 7, and he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. There's a theme, right? Next, God will cut a covenant with Abraham, which includes what? A promise of land. Jump forward to Joseph, who's serving in a foreign land. And due to the famine in the land back home, right? The family ends up in Egypt, Jumping, right? 
They end up in slavery in that land. God raises up a deliverer. It's Moses. Moses will deliver them that they might what? Go to a promised land. Though um, miraculously delivered, they end up in a desert. We might call it a no man's land for 40 years because they refuse to trust the Lord in the land that he had given them. It's not until Joshua and the next generation that the people go and they take the land that God had given them. It's Canaan. It's a land of milk and honey, right? We jump forward again. Big jump this time. The people refuse um, to honor the Lord. They rebel against God again. And so the Lord had them captured and their land was destroyed. That's Jerusalem and that's Babylon. Babylon the enemy, Jerusalem was the land, and the enemy came and destroyed their land and carried the people off to another land, a foreign land. Well, that's land, and that's how we get to Daniel. That's how we get to chapter 1, verse 1, in third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, I want you to hold kings and kingdoms, and I want you to hold land in the back of your mind, and we'll come back to those themes soon. But thirdly, there's exile. Genesis 3 is not only about land. These aren't three separate categories when you say kings, kingdoms, land, exile. They're intertwining. Exile, Genesis 3, um, when Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the land but they also became what? Exiled. Uh, The Israelites, they were exiles, living in a land that was not home. So Genesis 3 records, therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden. The next chapter, Cain said to the Lord, Cain killed his brother, Abel, says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. The people of God end up in captivity. What? God frees them, gives them the land, which is Canaan, but the people continue to reject God, turning their backs on God, just like we see in Genesis 3 in Eden. All right? So you just see this repetition, if you will, that goes on through Scripture. And again, that's how we end up in Daniel. It's because the people have refusing to trust in the Lord. They're rejecting God. Now, it's not as if they're not religious. They're very religious, and that's part of the problem. They have God. He's a token God. That's what brings us to chapter 1, verse 1. And that's why there's another exile. And it didn't have to be that way. All right, I'm going to read to you a little bit of a lengthy passage. Stick with with me here. But it didn't have to be this way. It'd be kind of cool if there was never a book called Daniel. The reason that we have Daniel, the reason why we have the suffering in Daniel, the reason why these young men are taken, dragged into a foreign land to serve in in a secular culture, to be conformed, um, is... Because the people of God dishonored the Lord in an ongoing way. Didn't have to be that way. Deuteronomy 30. And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, 
and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today, with all your heart and with all your soul. Then the Lord will, uh, your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy upon you, and he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of the heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will take you, and the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your cattle and the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your fathers. When you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Why do we have Daniel? Because they rejected Deuteronomy 30. That's the simple answer. So kings, kingdoms, land, and exiles. That's the setting of the book of Daniel. But there's more. Handle number two. The sovereign king reigns forever. Or we might call this the gospel according to Daniel. The sovereign king rules forever. We reverse the order, as I mentioned. We'll cover exile, another exile, another land, and another king and kingdom. Another exile. I'm going to read to you from Ian Duguid. If you ever want to like just dig into your Old Testament, here's a guy you want to read. Ian Duguid. It's fantastic. He says this, can you imagine what it must have been like to be exiled from home to a foreign city? To be alone and scared a long way from, from, from familiar surroundings? How would you cope in such a hostile setting? What truths could you cling to? Would you remain faithful to your former identity or simply be assimilated into your new surroundings? We've recently seen this literally on our screens. People carried away, stolen from their homes and their families. It's horrific, and we, gra- we gasp at the horror of it. I'm so grateful for the safe environment in which I, we live. I'm so grateful. I love America. I love Titusville. I love my home, <laughs> I love the comforts and the safeties of my home. But we need constant reminders living in the safeties that we enjoy in this country. We need constant reminders that as Christians, we are exiles. We are strangers living in a strange land. Strangers in this world. This, friends, is not my home. I am a citizen of another kingdom. Grateful to be a citizen in America, but oh, so much more grateful. I am a citizen of God's, a citizen of heaven. This land that we enjoy is not my home. This world we will see in Daniel that Babylon then 
and now wants you. Babylon wants you. Babylon wants to drag you into captivity. This world is our Babylon. And as exiles, the world, Babylon, presses on us daily, seeking to conform us, seeking to assimilate us into its values, its lifestyles, its lusts. Babylon, hear me, does a good job of it. Conform us to reject God's word, for, mo- for modern man's words are better. A more advanced word, we hear. Let's look like Babylon. Let's act like Babylon. Let's talk like Babylon. Let's worship like Babylon. But Daniel calls us. This is why Daniel, this is why we're going through this book. Because the world, our Babylon, is calling on us to be conformed. And Daniel and friends served in Babylon and yet without compromise. We'll get into some of those themes in the weeks to come. They were and we are far from home, living in a world that opposes us, living in the pains of exile. Daniel was written to encourage us. Christians, stay the course. Stay the course in our day. To all the exiles in Christ this morning, this is not our home. Praise be to God. King Jesus exiled himself from the comforts of heaven, exiled from heaven's throne to set us free from our captivity. We could not rescue ourselves. His exile brought an end to ours. Praise be to our God. Why, Daniel? To worship the Lord as we live for him in this exiled land. Secondly, another land. Christ the King came to a land. Just like this is a real land here, Christ came. Boots on the ground, right? His feet on the ground. He came to a land. The king, as I said, exiled himself from the comforts of heaven. And he came down to this land. And he walked this earth that he might die. And offer us forgiveness and salvation. And with that salvation comes a new promise. A new promised land. It's a theme all the way through the Bible, start to finish. A promised land, a newly created earth and a newly created heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I love this land. And I've mentioned that a number of times. I love traveling. I love going places and seeing that landscape. I love the trees in fall in the mountains, right? And you look at those mountains and you see that glory, right? This is where my head goes. My God made that. He does this for his own glory. And we get to enjoy this. This is amazing. And then I open a screen, right? And I remember, oh, this is a fallen world. What will the new heaven and the new earth be like? What will that be like? 
Why, Daniel? Well, it's to stir our hearts as exiles living in this land to stay the course as we await that land. Thirdly, another king and another kingdom. Verse 1 puts it perfectly well. Nebuchadnezzar came to besiege Jerusalem and, you see verse 2? I've got it underlined in mine. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Who's, who's ruling in the book of Daniel? Almighty oh, Nebuchadnezzar? No, Nebuchadnezzar will have nothing other than what the sovereign king allows for him to have. The, the king that we are to note and worship and be awed by and marvel in in the book of Daniel is King Jesus. The Lord gave. That's a key to understanding the rest of the book. Who is the king in the book of Daniel? King Jesus. So why are we preaching Daniel? Well, as followers of Christ, we belong to that king and that kingdom. I'm going to say some things that might put some of us on edge a little bit. Not trying to be political, all right? Bridge, 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 bridge. There you go. Good? All right? Not trying to be political. Sometimes when we preach the word, it can sound political. That's not the aim. It's to preach the word. Okay? Um, but we do, we do preach. We need to preach. We need to preach this year. This is an election year. Did you notice? Some things are happening. And we need to preach these things to put to rest some anxieties or discouragements or fears. Ah, oh, what's happening here? Um, or maybe complaining. Because I can be the Israelite in no man's land in the desert while in exile, complaining. Take me back to Egypt. Lord, help us. There are truths that will be unpacked in Daniel that will reveal to us, this is one of them, he's the sovereign king. It's gonna be unpacked for us week after week. And my prayer is that the Lord would just take deep root in our hearts in regards to who he is in our Babylon, in our day. We pray for growing convictions about the Lord's character, who he is and what he's up to. We preach Daniel to build our faith and confidence in the king of kings. Who is there like our king? No one, no, not one. Ours is a day where many believers are confused about kingdoms. We think about governments and politicians and military power. That's, that's our hope, right? If we have more military power, then everyone is safe. We're, we're safe, right? If the answer to that is yes, because we have more military power than the next guy, then praise be to the military. Or praise be to the president, or praise be to the, to the political party who builds the biggest and baddest military. Now hear me, I believe in a strong military, all right? So don't misunderstand, hang with me. But I also believe 
and a sovereign God, a sovereign king. I like to say, God is sovereign and buckle your seatbelt, right? When you get in the car, buckle your seatbelt. What are we talking about? We have a responsibility to live in wisdom. We have responsibility, but when you buckle that up, trust the Lord. That's Daniel. That's the book of Daniel. Many people think we need that president. Then all will be well. Of course, we desire a candidate who would um, bring a return of morality to America. Obviously, that's what we want. But my hope, and I'm going to say our hope should not be in the legislation of morality. Our hope must be bigger than that. Hear me. It's got to be bigger than that. We need more than a change of law. We need change of heart across our land. And only one king can do that. Only one king can do that. So, hear me. Vote and then pray for the hearts of the nation to change. I, I want us to pray bigger prayers than just Lord, please change the laws. Pray that. Pray for the change of hearts in our nation. Did you know, hang with me, not my president is a theological statement. And it's not a good theological statement. Did you know, please don't be offended. Let's go, Brandon is more of a statement about God than it is a president. It's secular thinking. It's a secular war in Babylon. We belong to another kingdom. Did you know that as America crumbles morally, the issue is not this party or that party as much as it is is the people of God? It's not as much about Babylon out there as it is God's people in here. They were not exiled because Babylon was so bad and evil. They were exiled because they had rejected God. My concern in our country is not with everything that's happening out there, outside the four walls of the churches across the country. My concern in America is what's happening inside the four walls of the church across America. I'm not shocked. Here's another way to put it. I'm not shocked by the moral decay of American values. I wish it wasn't so. I am shocked by the patience of the Lord in our day. My concern is not that there's a lack of prayer in the schools. I actually get that. I'm much more concerned that there's a lack of prayer in the church. I don't get that. So we cry, let's legislate prayer in the schools while we remain prayerless in the church. So it's an election year, and Daniel shows us that kings come and kings go, but we serve a forever king, and his rule and his reign has no end. So why Daniel? It's to prepare our hearts and to build our convictions about the forever king whose rule that it, that it is that we live for. Because hear me, Washington, D.C., Washington, it will fade away. Don't fool yourself. It will fade away. 
and all the power and all the authority and all the pomp and all the accolades, they will all fade to dust. Welcome to a fallen world. And we too, each of us will be replaced one day. Why, Daniel? Well, because kings and kingdoms come and go. Minus one. America is not my hope. We have a better king. And we live, for a better, we live in a better kingdom. Trust in the Lord in our day when our country spirals in decline. When politics fail to deliver that American dream. When promises from D.C. fall to the ground. We have a better promise. We have a bigger promise. We have a bigger dream. We have a better sovereign. We live for a better kingdom. So the book of Daniel calls us out to us, calls out to us and says, stay the course, church, as exiles, waiting for your forever home with your forever king. It's what we sang this morning. Kings come and kings go, but King Jesus rules forever. King Jesus died like all the rest before him. They crucified our Lord. They mocked him as a king with a crown of thorns and a sign over his head that said king of the Jews. It was all to be a mockery of his rule. He died on the third day and the stone was rolled away. Death cannot hold our king. Our king is risen. Praise be to our God. God's rule is not hanging in the balance in a 2024 election. I love my country. It's the greatest country on the planet, I believe. I love my democracy. I love freedom of religion. I love freedom of speech. I love freedom of worship. I love the land of the free and the home of the brave. I am grateful. Many of you have served in our military in an effort to protect our freedoms. We say to you, thank you. Thank you. But, amen, yeah, it's appropriate, but it's not my forever home. The best, it's yet to come. The gospel is not democracy. It's not the constitution. There's a greater freedom offered to humanity. It's the freedom from sin and death itself. Offered through Christ's death on the cross. Who is the almighty king in the book of Daniel? The mighty, powerful Nebuchadnezzar who defeats his enemies at his wills? No, he only gets to do what God allows him to do. Christ is the only king who defeats all the enemy. He is the king who came announcing the kingdom of God is here. King Jesus, sin forgiver, Death crusher, enemy destroyer, ruling over sin and death. That is what Daniel will show us. If I could have the worship team join me. Why, Daniel? It's to set our our hearts on something better than, I'm going to say, something better than America. Something better than this world. To, To the eternal king and the eternal kingdom. Great job, Daniel and friends. They do such a good job. They put their life on the line. They honor the Lord. We should be encouraged by their example. Be encouraged by Daniel. But at the end of the day, it's not 
it's not Daniel and the three Hebrew children. They're not the hero of the story. King Jesus is the hero of the story. Chapter 2, 44, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. That's the message of Daniel. There can only be one sovereign. They brought other gods into captivity, but God and his purposes will not be carried away. Even when you carry his people, these four young men into captivity, they actually, by doing so, they were fulfilling the purposes of God. Nebuchadnezzar, you are a pawn in the hand of a king. His plan rules supreme. That's the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar looks out over his palace and he sees the glory. Nebuchadnezzar, you are in the hands of another king. Yours is a temporary city, but Christ builds the eternal city. The two kings, they both went to the grave. One king remains there. The other king conquered it. Supreme and infinitely glorious, King Jesus defeated death itself and rose from the dead. Friends, worship the King of Kings. He is Jesus and He is risen. He is alive. This is your King. The sovereign King rules over sin and death itself. And so we tie that ribbon around the whole, the whole book. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, but the sovereign King reigns forever. Let's stand and respond in singing.